0: Before we start today's show, I just want to give a massive shout out to ACAST for making this show happen.
1: Thanks, ACAST. Hold up. What was that?
0: Hello, and welcome to the PJ Podcast. Happy week, whatever you're doing. Working hard, hardly working. Happy winter solstice as well, uh, to the people who take note of that or celebrate it. How do you celebrate it? I feel like it will be quite a woo-woo thing. Like There's probably some witchy spells and potions that people do around this time but other people and i'm actually gonna name and shame uh, a good friend Brody kane i saw she jumped in the ocean uh up in auckland on the shortest day of the year which i thought was very ballsy i was literally wrapped in a rug on the couch being a piece of shit. what better way to celebrate <laughs> Uh, Thanks are back to normal this week I've got my computer My cough is gone And I've got a brand new guest for you And um, I really enjoyed this chat Jay Reeve is a good friend of mine um, He has always been so kind to me Since I moved to Auckland And became an intern at uh, ZM For my first radio show um, Yeah, he's always kind of been like a big brother And... If you don't know his story, he started out as an MTV VJ back in the day. He's always had that very cool persona. But there's so much more to Jay, and I've always respected him as a human being a lot. Uh, I think he's got a lot of depth to him. And as the chat progresses, I think you'll hear that side of him him more. Uh, We get into some slightly more deep philosophical things, um, including, you know, what success means to him and why he chooses to live his life the way he does. But if you're into business things and starting your own business, we're going to chat about the hugely successful venture, uh, which he got involved with a while back, Pals, which no doubt if you're in New Zealand, you'll know the brand. Jay is one of the uh, clever people behind that. So we're going to talk about that story, plus uh, what other business ventures are on the horizon for him at the moment, because he's just always wheeling and dealing. He knows everyone. And I love his fascination for people and just constantly looking for the next thing. So we'll delve into all of that in this episode for number eight. Episode number eight of the PJ Podcast with Jay Reeve. I hope you enjoy. You're literally the first guest I've had on the show and you've got a full studio setup with like three screens behind you and three microphones in front of you. What is going on?
2: Uh, so this is, welcome to Hargrave Street uh, Hargrave Street Studio, which is... There it is. There's the, the, the plug. I knew, I knew it. I knew- uh, yeah. Well, this is this is what we call Switzerland. So um, myself and a good friend of mine, Robert Dunn, who runs Movember, basically took over the space. So this is what you can see is the old Red Bull Recording Studio, yeah. um, which is just next to where we work at MediaWorks. Um, and we have the bottom floor. We split it as my office and the Movember office. And by my office, I mean whatever random stuff's going on ends up going on in that.
1: Yeah. And
2: then we built this studio, refit it uh, with the amazing Carl Thompson, who you'd know. He's he's the man behind many a radio shows. And it's also the band practice space for Villainy, my voiceover studio where I do voiceovers from. And we do podcasts from here. This is where the All Blacks podcast comes from. This is where uh, Married, uh, Divorced and Dating comes from. This is where uh, you name it, Gimme Five comes from. This is where all the podcasts come from.
0: When are you not hustling? Like you have not changed a bit. Because we used to call you scooby Bongo Jay back in the day. You were always (laughs) just like hustling and like looking to find something new to, you know, promote or I don't know, Sal. and here you are. And like, look at you, you're fucking killing it. Um, Where, uh, where, where do you get this hustle from?
2: I think um, I've been asked that question a few times and I've never really had the chance <laughs> to reflect on it because it's kind of one of those things that just happens. Mm. I think it's one of those things that happens for people that don't have a specific skill in anything. And so as a result of that, you develop these other things, which are like external things. So, if you were to imagine it, um, if you were to imagine it as a flower, mm. uh, you need all of these different petals to make you attractive in order for you to survive. And so, I always have all of these different irons in the fire, for comparing myself to a flower. Uh, terrible. Welcome analogy. to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's, the, it's the salt lamp in the background that's turned me into a, a slippery hippie. Um, and I think it was one of those things I, I, I always had a fascination for people and I always liked mm. to think of problems or solve problems or ask questions and and see where there was space. I always looked for wiggle room. And one of the things that I found in this space is that with podcasts on an exponential explosive rate there was no real nowhere really to do them other than in the radio stations and mm. And home studio systems like you've got. You're lucky. You've been doing radio for a long time. So therefore, your setup's easy. But if you're a person that just wanted to get in and dabble, there's no other way of doing it. You've got to go to a radio station or buy some home setup kit. Uh, and as a result of that, it can be really expensive. And then you find out you shit at it. And then there's no point carrying on. Uh, so what we've done is we've built this space so that it can be, like I said, the Switzerland for for people to... It's such a a good idea. It's
0: such a good idea because you're right. So many people just don't know where the hell to start with a podcast and they end up in a shit tinny room sounding crap. So great idea, Jay. I have very uh, fond memories of you at ZM when we worked together and you would – manage to get everyone else to do all the really shit jobs around you and your technique yes. behind that and I've actually started adopting that is just pretending you don't know what to do and so you're like I have no idea can you guys help me and so therefore and maybe this is part of your success you put all the shit jobs well like you get to actually channel, channel all your creative energy
2: because you're yes. not
0: doing the shit boring stuff.
2: Well, I think um, <laughs> uh, I like how you picked that up.
0: <laughs> i <I've laughs> found it. Reason. I've cracked it.
2: Yeah. it's. I have no interest, in radio in particular, I have no interest in panelling. Therefore, I will never dedicate my time to doing that. Mm. Also, as you picked up, if you are able to panel, then you could be doing a show by yourself. And I don't want to do a show by myself. Mm. If I'm not doing a show with a co-host, I'm not doing radio. So it's just simple for me like that. And it enables me to have enough bandwidth to do other things. So I always want to have an eyelash on a giant. I want to be a part of something bigger. I don't want 100% of it to myself. I want to share it with others because you pull on everyone else's different skill sets. So say, for example, here, um, where we are now, like my skill set is working with brands and getting them on board to come in and record pods and then matching them with people that could host those pods. Mm -hmm. And Carl's skill set is setting up, you know, all of the craziness that you see here. And this is like the tiniest bit of it on the other side of this is where the magic happens, like the full desk and everything that goes with it. So partnering with people that know what they're doing, Pals is exactly the same. Yeah. The I was just going to say,
0: I was going to say like, what, what role do you play in that whole Pals picture? Cause just for anyone at home who doesn't know what Pals is, it's basically the most successful RTD to come out of New Zealand. Uh, basically they emerged when everyone was looking for a very low sugar uh, alternative when it comes to a little summer RTD and Jay managed to get his fingers in the pie. So what, what is your role?
2: Yeah. So the, to bring it back a few more steps. So Powell started, its, it started its life as a brand called Master of Ceremonies, which was a wine company. And so at the time we were in Bali and my buddy uh, Matt Crowed, Who's one of the owners said, uh, who's one of the owners now who's, who was working in the wine industry said, Hey, we should start a rose company. Your wife Anna, this absolutely loves to drink it by the truckload. Uh, why don't we subsidize her drinking by basically starting this company? Perfect. Which, not in so many words. Um, <laughs> so we started a rose company with some friends of ours and, and it was good, like it, it ticked along, but it's, you know, it's hard. We were, um, Contract growing, contract wine manufacturing, there wasn't massive margins in it. So it just basically washed its face. Mm. And then um, we bought on our other our new business partner, our CEO, Nick Marshall, who is just a tirelessly hard worker. <clears throat> and he was like, oh, well, let's let's have a look at what else we could do within this business to differentiate it. So we looked into what a rose spritz would look like, which is sparkling water with rose. And then we could sell that in six packs in the supermarket. we're looking at putting it into cans. And when we're going through the process of getting the formulation of flavors, the guy that was doing the formulation was like, you guys should think about doing an RTD. Mm. And then from there, we rolled into Pals. I guess the the long story short, now Pals is what it is. It's a brand that a lot of Kiwis have adopted. And I guess our role role within the business, Matt and Nick, uh, directors and day-to-day runners of the business, uh, the initial role that Anna played within the business was to get it out there because she was the target demographic and had more eyeballs than anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it started a, a snowballing effect. And then I guess my role within the business is also to support that. I've got a media arm so that I can kind of navigate that part of the business, but also finding new opportunities. Like at the moment, um, if you, we're trying to think about what I can say without giving too much away. We're looking into we're looking into the way that things we're looking into the way that things and how things operate within the space. Right. We're looking into new ventures in which we can be a part of and how we can differentiate ourselves. There is a lot of interest in and around the NFT market, not necessarily holding up a power scan and going, "This is an NFT," but developing uh, a system and a community and a network and behind that, and then it's the greasing of the wheels, uh, business opportunities, reaching out to bar owners that I know and and what we've got in Australia and what we've got overseas and and looking forward. So we all kind of play our part. Mine being by far the least. (laughs) <laughs> uh, out of out of all the partners, uh, but yeah, I just like I said, I've got an eyelash on a giant.
0: I love it. What were you? What was that like feeling when Powell's just absolutely boomed? Like it became the drink of New Zealand summer. Uh, did you guys anticipate that, or were you pretty surprised?
2: Absolutely not. We we single handedly fucked about three different companies whilst <laughs> doing it um, that were trying to help us out. So really, we, Oh, yeah yeah oh yeah. It was um, it was just so unexpected and um we basically to make to bring down the cost of goods we decided to produce basically 12 months worth of what we would not even conservatively estimate we would go through in 12 months if we were to be successful but effectively 12 months uh and i rang uh when we got our first cans done when we got the first mix done i filled up my truck with him and i'm from Mount maunganui and i drove down a friend of mine dwight harvey him and his family own a bunch of super liquors in yeah. Mount Maunganui, uh, Papamore, sort of Bay of Plenty Coromandel. And I rang him and I said, Dino, I'm coming to yours and I've got a truckload of piss. And he goes, I don't care. We've got no space for it, uh, nor do we have any sort of inventory done on this. Um, and I said, well, it's too late because Anna's already told everybody the first place they can get it is at yours. And we literally Oh, shit. And she gone
0: like live on social?
2: Yeah, we turned yeah, yeah, up yeah. and there were basically people pulling it out of the back of the truck, scanning it at the store and walking out with it. So it kind of kicked off and what what we thought would go through in 12 months we basically wow. sold out of it in 6 weeks
0: oh shit and so did the did the team did you have to like grow the team quite quickly due to the fast growth or was
2: it just you guys <laughs> we're v- we're very lucky with our um our contract manufacturers they yeah. have their own product as well which they ended up parking worked incredibly long hours uh, along with Nick and Matt to make sure that everything was there because if one step in the chain whether it be the base alcohol spirit that's not that's coming in at that stage. It was coming in from overseas. Um, the guy that was bringing that in, we kind of blew his business to smithereens, not in a good way because he didn't have the space to hold as much as we needed. So we had to change suppliers. Uh, the manufacturers were like, "We just don't have the 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 capabilities. Like we're we're falling behind, and we've got all these other contracts that we need to kind of you know, um, we need to sort of stick up for as well. We need to we can't just walk away from these other businesses. So Everyone kind of did their part, managed to get it through, and then and then we grew sort of fairly organically from there, I guess. We've got yeah. a good friend of ours, my old next to the neighbor from Mount uh, April Wavy, who who looks after all of our accounts. We managed to poach um, the, the original Diesel Weasel, Jonty Holmes, who is our kind of events guy, uh, absolute chaos human, but just a phenomenal operator as well. And they just take, uh, I guess, the stewardship of Matt and Nick and how they run the business quite seriously. And they work incredibly hard. The boys work, put it this way, they haven't had days off since it began. Wow. and, and well,
0: understandably.
2: Yeah. Nick was working out of a, a one bedroom unit out the back of a garage that a friend of his owned. And then uh, Matt walked away from a job that was massive, like massive to, to go all in and paid himself less than minimum wage to get it up and running. And obviously it paid off, but Without the hard work and and the punt that the boys took, we just would not be here.
0: So, like, what does your week look like in terms of all the work you do, and like percentage-wise towards pals, percentage-wise with your radio show, percentage-wise scuba diving with all the brands? Um, you know, you've got your podcast. Like, how does that? So, like, how does that distribute amongst the week?
2: So, to give you today, okay, so today is as an example, today yep. my alarm went off at six thirty. Uh, I'm training for a fight and I haven't been able to move for the last three months because I had my sternum chopped out and a secondary staph infection. So I've had a pipe hanging out of my chest. So Jesus. less than an ideal start to a fight camp when you've never had a fight before.
0: What, like, Are you talking um, boxing fight?
2: Yeah. Boxing fight.
0: Which, is,
2: which I'm excited about. It's, this is the year to challenge myself and do new stuff. And so uh, to get my lungs back in action, uh, I've been going through these big breathing exercises. So I go through about 15, 20 minutes of breathing exercises and about 15 to 20 minutes worth of stretching just to try and limber things up so that my body doesn't break down when I get going yeah. and get my kids up. We go get them all sort of for breakfast, make their lunches, get them ready for school. And then at seven 30, I had to be at an RM Williams shoot, uh, riding my Harley Davidson. And so we did. Is the most
0: Jay Rave thing Yeah. Even.
2: And so, Finished up that shoot and went straight back into the office here, which I got into at about sort of 8, 8.30. Um, and we I was in an interview with a young lady who's doing a PhD in the effects of social media influence on mental health. So I had oh, an hour wow. and a half interview with that before racing off to catch up with uh, my good friend, Jules who owns two islands um, because we're launching myself and Jeff Ross and Finn Ross are launching a new company uh, called carbon Z and they one of our uh, clients that are onboarding in this, in this new aspect of, of carbon trading, which has got me really excited out of everything I'm doing. This has got me the most excited. Wow, um,
0: You're just then, like, you're constantly looking into the future, eh? And what opportunities are, are coming up?
2: Man, it's so exciting. There's, there's so, this is the best opportunity when everything is, when everything is under the pump and everybody is looking in a different place for Mm. the same thing, it's where you can get ahead. But out of everything that I do, that business, Carbon Z is the thing that excites me the most because, A, I get to work with Jeff Ross and his son, Finn, who I've idolized Jeff since he started 42 Below. And Jussie, his wife, is just a phenomenal operator. Now they are uh, farm Custodians of Lake Howie Station, which is just paradise. Wow. So getting to work with those two is just phenomenal because the whole family are just amazing brains. Um, and 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 more than anything, it's just doing something good for the planet. And mm. everything that I do normally comes at a cost because it's a weirdly semi-capitalist operation that I'm running. <laughs> and yeah, I like to ride big motorcycles and I like to drive big cars. And, yeah. Uh, and this is something that this is something that's really dear to my heart, and I can see the second and third and fourth tier of the business rolling out, and how how that improves all for everybody. Which so how the, how
0: does carbon Z work? Can you give a quick rundown, or is it sort of hush hush?
2: Well, a
0: little bit hush hush. Yes
2: and no. I, no. I guess the easiest way of explaining it is there's a lot of business now, including powers that have become uh, or gone through B Corp and are looking at their carbon footprint and, and the impact that their business has on the planet yeah. and how they can reverse that out. And at the same time, there's a lot of custodians of the Finua, the landholders that have no way making money on unprofitable parts of their, their land. Yeah. Uh, and so up until this point, it's only been pinus radiata, which is a monocrop, which any form of monocropping, regardless whether it's pine trees or soybeans or wheat <laughs> or barley or whatever the fuck it is, it's not, it's not good no. because it's it just does absolutely nothing um, I guess for the animals in the floor and the flora and fauna in and around it. Yeah. So what what Carbon Z is is a platform where if you are a landholder and you have virgin native bush or uh, are doing some restoration or restorative wildling planting, then you can partner with a business on a platform like Sharesies and you just match and trade, and that's basically what it is. And we take a percentage for the transaction that goes through the middle, and it's the technology in behind it and how it enables landowners to make money for doing something great for the rest of the nation. Say, for example, you've got a farm where you are would be a yeah. classic example. 10,000 hectares of mm. virgin native bush with a little bit of farmland scattered in between it, which is normally used for, say, dry stock or fattening sheep or or you've got big, um, big lambing setups or whatever it is. If you've got all that virgin native bush, which is doing nothing, you're not going to put a bulldozer through it because mm. that it's looks beautiful. so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, but you can't actually get anything back from it. So if you were to partner with us at Carbon Z, we can link you up with a business that wants to get your carbon credits, buy them off you at the at the rate in which they are. Uh, and then at the moment, if you were to even jump on board, you get back paid for three years for the exact same wow. amount. So it's a or well, yeah, that's how much credit you'll build up. Yeah, uh, and then with that, you can go into. Um, fencing it off so it can restore properly you can put in pest management Um, we've got what is it 48 million possums in new zealand they're the only place in the world with our protected the fiber in a possum is hollow like a polar bear that's the only other animal that's similar to it and it's uh, a third of the weight of any other fiber and three times warmer so when it's blended with something like merino and silk it becomes a really high-end product so there's all these different ecosystems that then start to roll off the back of it, which are funded by farmers who just don't have the cash to do it.
0: No. And innovation like this, I reckon is so key and, you know, diversifying and, and finding more opportunities for these farmers because it is bloody tough for them at the moment.
2: Yeah. So that's why, that's why it sort of excites me to be a part of that space and, and the businesses that I've spoken to about it that are coming on board uh, when we launch end of next month, end of uh, June, I really fizzed about it. And they've done, Jeff and Finn have done some phenomenal work. Finn's an amazing guy. He's doing his PhD on the carbon sequestration rate of seaweed. Like, oh
0: my God, there's the hot. The,
2: the blokes aren't real. Grab it. Bring them on. Yeah, well, I'm,
0: like, I'm literally a PA at So Farmer.
1: <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi. Uh, I'm just
2: doing a podcast. Hang on, I'll just... Yeah? <laughs> I'll just go and clear the screen. You're on two.
0: live with Jay. Yeah, how's it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. So, Do, well, I wondered, what I was reading for is we're going to have to leave early to beat rush traffic tomorrow. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm all over it. He <laughs> gets so panicked. We're going to the airport in Wellington tomorrow. Exciting. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave it about 5.30. That's all good. <laughs> it's no stress.
2: Perfect. Just, I'll just uh, go I and clear the sure screen. Please give me two.
0: Okay, cool. What was that, babe? I just
2: want to make sure you're
0: ready. Yeah, I'll be ready. Yep. Okay. Okay, <laughs> we'll Okay. Bye.
2: Um, Can we just, I mean, obviously, uh, if, I mean, my, if, as much as I'd love to make this all about me, <laughs> congratulations. I don't think we've ever had the opportunity to, to congratulate yourself on such an incredible radio career at such a young age, one that will never, ever, ever, ever be matched or even near rivaled.
1: Oh, my God. It's amazing. I'm like, so
2: incredibly proud of you. The work that um, both yourself and Jace and Jag did was so inspiring, and literally, we have kids coming through radio school now saying oh. that you are the reason why they've done it, particularly females, which is amazing in an industry which is massively overmasculated um, to see the success. Of a hometown girl just crushing it on a <laughs> massive show at an international level. You should be incredibly proud of yourself because I'm
0: incredibly proud oh, of you. Jay, stop it. Stop it. That's so nice. You've always been like well a little you've been like a big brother kind of throughout the years, which um so that the means... only one that didn't
2: represent any part of New Zealand <laughs> in rugby.
0: <laughs> yeah, the unsupporting one. I actually yeah. I'd love to pick your brains, because I reckon there'll be people listening to this who – uh, inspired by your businessy ways, they want to get into business, but they don't know where to start. What would your biggest advice be for people who've got like a vague idea? Um,
2: there's, I would first and foremost say, don't ever follow me because uh, <laughs> uh, we're we're going to be doing a, a a really really cool bloke, a guy by the name of Beeks. Is is going to be doing a pod on a, this exact same thing. And yeah. it's the ebbs and flows. So everyone always says, Man, congratulations. Powers is going so well. Uh nobody ever goes, Hey, how was play roundy? What about seller control? Give me the time where you lost 250 grand in a shit investment. Like mm. no one ever asks you those things because everyone's so quick to show the successes, but mm. nobody ever focuses on the failures. And I think for me, I've definitely learned more from the failures because you sit with it longer. Yes. And you go. Oh, never again fucking never again and and you learn from them um but i think my advice would be just have a shot and if you want to drill it down even further than that look to combine what you're passionate about with solving a problem or making life easier for somebody and then there's a sweet spot so shaquille o'neal is a classic example of he was babysitting this guy's kid and the guy was like hey man you you should invest in my company. And he's like, oh man, I've got maybe 10 grand and I'm sort of saving up for a flash car. And he goes, oh, it's up to you. The offer's there. He invested in the company. The company was called Google. He made quite a bit of money out of that. And then from there, he invested in ring the doorbell system. Like he's, his model is look for convenience in everyday life and what will make people's lives easier. And there's always money to be made because innately people are very lazy and would Mm -hmm. love to make their lives easier. So if you can make it easier and make it better, then that's the step that you want to get to.
0: You talk about all those failures. Were there ever any that really knocks you down for six and you were pretty close to giving up?
2: I think I think by far the uh, the biggest, oh, never not getting up, but just really doubted myself because we were working together. I have a very high self-opinion of myself, which kind of, is is like a as a protective shield, you know. I
0: want to talk about that actually. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like I always go, man, I can I can do anything. I can do anything. I yeah. can do anything. But there's it's a facade because there's never anything behind it. And <laughs> and I'm incredibly lucky. Like I've always been blessed. Like I just rolled into radio. I never went to radio school. I rolled into TV. I'd never done any presenting platform stuff. It just came to me really easily. And I think from that I got a f- bit of a false uh sense of of self. And then when I had the opportunity to test it business wise. um, I just trusted everybody in business and that it was going to work out for the best. And I'd say there was a business that I got into that I've now kind of offloaded, which was a great concept, but, and it's just the due diligence of never doing business before trusting somebody getting into partnership with somebody on an unequal footing uh, left me feeling really bitter. And then through the process of that,
0: oh my god, I'm so sorry. You're I'm literally dang it. Dang it. <laughs> Hello, Polly speaking. Hi, Josh, how are you going? Yeah, good, just in the middle of a podcast. Yeah, no, nah, BJ's not back. Now. Nah. <laughs> all right, cheers, Josh. Honestly, yeah. I am the PA, I am the farmers like PA. I have to like That's... filter all the drivers coming in and like I just pretend I'm not here, it's so That's stressful. It.
2: It's a cool part. It's a cool facet of your life. Like I think you've you've done incredibly well, in the fact that you've lived so many lives so young, and and you're where you are now, and then you've done, you've succeeded in a career which is incredibly hard to a level that no one's ever done it, and now you can start a family and never go. Ah, oh, fuck. Um, what if you know? Imagine if I'd just stuck at it. You know. Yeah. Because
1: I,
0: I just a lot had of people- this urge to come back and ground my roots. It's not like I've just thrown in the towel of of media, but I just had to come home and like start that foundation. It was yeah. just like this urge to do that. And yeah, some people might be like, well, you fucked up that opportunity, but you know, you're right. Like, I think if I hadn't done this, then I would have always gone, what if? And I think it was just something I had to do.
2: Yeah. There is a massive hamster wheel that we get on a media yes. that you just stay on for the sake of staying on. And you just go at what point, what point do I get off this thing? Because it's just running so quick that you just feel like you'll get spat out and it's hundred percent. And I just felt like
0: I was going to resent things had I stayed in that role. Whereas Mm. this, I kind of got to have a little bit more control and fuck, I'm throwing my future up in the air, but I'm also like, you know, this is going to take me next, you know,
2: that's how I got to these terrible business decisions (laughs) is that I just went, you know what? I'm, I'm fucking done with radio because It's just a game of snakes and ladders. It kind of felt like um, Game of Thrones, but just a real shit version with real shit people (laughs) in the mixer. Um, And I just wasn't inspired anymore.
0: And now you're back.
2: And now I'm back. And I came back on the proviso that all of these stipulations were met. And I I sort of dipped the toe in because – I love living at the Mount. My goal is to live at the Mount and I will live at the Mount and I will live at the Mount and do my show. Like I know this, mm-hmm. but I needed to convince the powers that be that it was a good option to invest in me. And rightly so, because it was unproven. Um, and when myself and dunk my current co-host um, uh, and the only person I'll ever do radio with again, I stand by that. I just won't do it without him. I'm done. Wow. After we, after the show finishes, I'm fucking done. Um, and that's not saying that it's coming anytime soon. Cause we've yeah. got some awesome goals that we want to kick, but We caught up and we're like, "This is this is a male rock radio station, which has just got such an incredible heritage to it, but it's also tarnished and hasn't necessarily moved with the times." And the Morning Rumble do such a like they do such a great job of Mm. trying to move the dial on mental health and how people look after themselves and how they respect themselves and their partners and the rest of it. But for what it just kind of was stuck in the mud to a certain extent. And not through any lack of trying and people trying to change that perception. And so when I came back, I said, when I came back up, I said to dunk, I just want to be better. I want to create space for people to be better. And I want people to laugh and I want people to leave our show with something every day. And I want to do it different. I don't want to do the same shit that radio has been doing and, you know, go and mm-hmm. ring your mate and jerk them off and win a hundred bucks yeah. and fucking <laughs> classic. Yeah, mate, this is awesome. I want hey, to be we've able all to been do there. I mean, I know. We've been there. I've laid a 200 kilo guy down on the table and watched people look, whip cream off his tits. We've been there, but we're better than that now. Yeah, and we, yeah, yeah, We needed to be. So yeah, it's it's great. And I love being back and we're doing that stuff and we're making a difference, I think. And, uh, and we're changing the dog. Like 60% of our audience are male and 40% are female.
0: Wow! That's, really?
2: That is the Rock's audience, and we're the, once again the number one drive show in music ten plus nationwide.
0: Yes, and it's But
2: and, and that is because it is a team effort, and every single person listening is a part of that team. Mm-hmm. And there is an empowerment and an expectation of being a part of the show. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't tear anybody down. We don't punch down. And we can always be better. We do things like good news because we need to focus on some good stuff.
0: Honestly, that was very refreshing when I came back to New Zealand and I tuned into you guys. And everything was so depressing in the world. And the news was just the same, the same, the same. You'd tune in, everything. But I found that I went to your show and it was an escape. And, um, and that was kind of something we always tried to achieve on our show too. It's like there's so much of the same macabre, depressing shit everywhere. Be that escape for people. And I reckon you guys are doing that really, really well.
2: We work hard and we've got a fantastic team now. But I think once again, like I'm approaching 40. I look 60. But no, you don't. You, uh, I, do,
0: you are a well-oiled I, machine, my friend. I,
2: no, I'm a greasy <laughs> machine. I am not expecting a single cent back on this rental. I will the, the deposit is not coming back. I will throw them the keys quite happily and say, charge the fucking card. I'm done with it. Um, but it, as you get older, you start to reflect. So basically up to the age of 40, this is how I think of it, you front load all of the information that you get. And then in the next 40, because hopefully I get to do another 40 after this, um, you get to play every experience off against something that you've already learned. So you don't know everything and you never mm. know everything. And everyone that, that tries to act like they do. They don't. They just fucking don't. And yeah. its I love learning and I've learned more in the last eight years than I have and I reckon, the, the 15 to 20 prior to that because I've just got a desire for it. I read more. I listen more. I talk more. I enjoy this. Like I'd love to be yeah. sitting in a room with you having this conversation. I
0: know, me it. too. That's the dream down the track. Maybe, maybe I could team up with what's the name of the studios again? Hargraves.
2: With well, Hargraves, Hargraves Hargraves Street, Street studios. studios.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe we could team up and we could have like a special studio here in the Wadarapa. Why,
2: why not? That? Why there, not? There's, this can link to any media studio throughout New Zealand. Amazing. And there's one there.
0: Yes, there is. Yeah. See, we're doing business now. Look at you. You can't help yourself.
2: Yeah, well, that's, I had this. Um, there was a guy that spoke at my kids' primary school. So they got us along. Um, the, Sanjay Rama, who's the principal of Ponsonby Primary School, is one of the greatest humans I've ever had the pleasure to know. And it's awesome because being a primary school teacher, I give a shit about the education system and I care about what we're leading our kids into. Mm. And when you have a child... yeah it just impacts you so much greater than you ever imagined. And so he got, he got a bunch of people along: Wendy Petrie famous newsreader. It's just, you know, like just a superstar and Steve Ferguson, who's just a three-time Olympic New Zealand athlete and represent them all these different sports, uh, me and this guy, Johnny (laughs) Tapu. And, and it was the three of us in the beginning. And, uh, Wendy spoke and had like six pages of notes and just crushed. Cause that's what she does. She crushes. Yeah. And then Steve got up and he basically just explained his life. And that's fascinating yeah. because he represented New Zealand in swimming and <laughs> we- then in kayaking and then got the call up 12 years after he retired or something to join team New Zealand. And then they won the America's cup. Like, the, and he's just the loveliest bloke. And then I stood up and was like, "G'day,
0: I'm Jay. I used to be an MTV VJ. You may <laughs> remember me from such shows as."
2: <laughs> yeah, if you uh, if you Google me, you'll find me burning my pubes off in a car, <laughs> like that sort of thing. Um, but we spoke, and the guy Johnny Tapu, that stood up afterwards and spoke um, had this beautiful had this beautiful message because Ponsonby Primary is a you know a great primary school, but a gentrified area. Yeah, it used to be a strong Polynesian area in Auckland. Yeah, and he's like. Um, we're more connected than you would know to these kids, he's saying. Uh, you're saying, what is this, this weird brown fellow standing up in front of us? Well, I'll let you know. By the time that I finish talking to you, you'll feel really connected. So the principal prior to Sanjay Rama is a lady called Anne Malcolm and she is one of the most phenomenal principals to ever exist in the New Zealand primary sector. Uh, and he said, when I turned up in New Zealand from Samoa, um, this lady, this lady worked with me and got me speaking English. And as a result of that, I became the Auckland speech champion. That lady that's that worked with me was Ann Malcolm. And that's your old primary school t- That's your uh, old primary school principal. And everyone's like, yeah. oh my goodness, I know this lady. And he goes, all of these roads in and around the street um are the names of my cousins. My cousins are named after these things. So I grew up in this area uh and then He went on and on and on. He said, when I turned up at the school, there was only one other brown follower in my class. And I went up to him and said, uh, we spoke to him in Samoan and he goes, I'm not Samoan, I'm Indian. You know who that Indian bloke was? Sanjay Rama, your principal now. Like it's like he had this massive connection. He goes, if you look, I've got it written on my phone because it was amazing. If you, I'll find it because it was just such a, he said it just so beautifully. It was along the lines of, um, if you look for what, if you look for what connects you, if you look for what separates you, you'll always be alone. But if you look for what connects you, you'll never be alone sort of thing.
1: Yes. And
2: he got a standing standing ovation from a bunch of eight-year-old kids at primary school. Like it was really, and I'm not even doing it justice because I didn't even read it properly then. I've got to do it because it was just so good.
0: God, that is so true. In a time where we're so focused on what divides people, that is a pretty powerful message.
2: Um, he was just an incredible orator and just nailed it. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't bring it up. I can't find it for some reason. But he was just, a, just an amazing, amazing speaker, and that led me into this reading that I was doing, and it was, and it, and it basically said exactly that. Like you yeah. can always find something in common with somebody, yes. and if you don't, that's okay. But you don't need to. You don't need to say that you're always better than anybody else's. No, and you might be into stuff like I'm not into. I'm not a religious person, but it doesn't mean that I've got any angst against people that are religious. And I don't like rollerblading, but it doesn't mean that... <laughs> oh, whatever. I'm you fucking you love know, rollerblading. Probably, There's the exception to the rule. There's the exception to the rule. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: If you rollerblade, you crock. No, no, but I'm, wouldn't uh, the
0: world be such a better place if we focused on what connects us and what we actually have in common? Like, I always think about that, but we're so obsessed with working out what makes us different from each other.
2: Yeah. And that's even the... Um, that mindset when you go into a conversation, which has always been the way I've operated. And I think it's because when I got my first job at MTV, I was basically living with Brooke Howard Smith and Amber Peebles, who was my co-host. Yeah. And Brooke and Amber are those people. They are just so interested in you and what it is that you're doing that they don't talk about themselves. And they just mine all of this great knowledge from you. And then it's sort of, you say, I'm from Wired It Up, and you go, oh, I know, you know, I love the water up. It's an incredible surf there. And what, a, what an amazing, you know, like all of a sudden you, oh, oh you actually know about where I'm from. And there you mm. kind of get a bit more connected on that level. And then, I, you know, Barry, oh, you know I mean? Barry went to school together. You know, like you can find these links if you look for them.
1: Yes. But a lot of
2: people just don't. Because when you live in a city like Auckland or in a big city full stop, you see people as traffic or as mm a fucking person in front of you on your job that you need to stand on to get a pay rise Mm -hmm. or the reason why you're lining up in a queue at the supermarket instead of sitting in traffic, following a car that is delivering their kids to school and laughing about the the summer holiday that they had, or uh, the person that you're standing behind in the queue is buying lunch for his wife so he can drop it off to her and give her a surprise or uh, the person that's at your work, is really struggling at home and could do with a friend and you smiling at them instead of telling them to go fuck themselves will completely change their year. (laughs) Like
0: that is the way that I think. Yes. Yes. And it makes us human. And uh, yeah, that's powerful. Jay, you've always been a very philosophical. I think you are quite spiritual deep down, aren't you?
2: You always try and bend <laughs> me into
0: this. You are. I know it's
2: in there. Dream catcher, <laughs> crystal shit. You, no, I I mean, you I used know to that,
0: love barley.
2: I love barley. Yeah. Well, I like, you know, when someone's, you know how you said you've got to come home. Like, I, yeah. I feel a massive draw to A, the ocean and, mm. and to the mountain in particular. Like, yeah. that is my turanga wai wai that everyone speaks of, you know? And you don't get it unless you've been overseas. And the success that you experienced overseas, most people, the trappings of that, the finance that you were accruing Mm. in that role and the place in which you were living and the stardom and this, that, and the other thing didn't mean shit to you and you wanted to come home. Mm. Like that is when you know that you are you and you are comfortable with you. And a lot of people aren't. And I think that I am. Like I know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I don't, what anyone else thinks of me is inconsequential. Like I just Literally in the nicest really? way I had a chat with someone the fuck. other
0: day And and we were talking about this And I was like, but I reckon everyone Does care I sometimes reckon the ones that do care the most Probably project that they don't care And they don't give a shit Do you mm. genuinely not care?
2: I don't because uh, a good friend of mine Carl uh, Tiny uh, Whiting Who is also a weapon He got picked out of school by Sir Peter Blake To join Team New Zealand as a 16 year old Like he's a f- four-time world champion, or three-time world champion, three different sports, sailing, road cycling, and ultra heavyweight Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He looks like a gang member covered in tattoos up to his head. And he said famously, because this was the path that he took, the man becomes the myth, the myth becomes the legend, the legend becomes the downfall, and the downfall becomes the learning. And so mm. that's the cycle in which you work in. So the example would be, people might think of me as Jay, the guy that promotes corn on Instagram. And what a sellout eat ass he is. I'd but, say
0: uh Silver Fern no, wait, wait, what's the Silver mate? Fern you Farms? Know? Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Right, Silver fern farms. Uh, um, but, but but partnering with brands is is a is a role that mm-hmm. that I that I play and yeah. it is a job that I do and it and affords me to do the things that I love in yeah. my life. And it's the, that that funding uh enables me to create great memories with my family and my kids. Uh, and the same people writing you sell out fucker are sitting in traffic, yes. miserable going to a job that they hate. Yep. So I'm doing what I love, but I'm a sellout, but you're selling yourself for
0: yes. whatever
2: salary you're getting. God, and, that's
0: a good way of looking at it.
2: Up. Yeah. And so I don't mind. And the other thing is everyone's entitled to their opinion, hundred percent entitled to their opinion, but it's of no consequence to me because um, Sad Guru had this really good. Have you seen the Sad Guru? Um,
0: See, you're quoting gurus. You're definitely spiritual. No, he's just, he's a great chat. He <laughs> talks about
2: it and goes, you're in charge of the way that you feel about things. I yes. could say, PJ, you're a piece of shit, nothing, never going to amount to anything, fucking loser, that's this, that, and the other thing. But you're not that. Because it's the same as saying, PJ, you're a giraffe. Mm. And you know you're not a giraffe.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah just, it's all about it's, how you perceive it.
2: Yeah. And so if you don't know yourself, that's when you go, oh, shit. Thing, I'm fuck, I fucking might be a giraffe. Maybe I am a giraffe. Oh my god! And then you get lost in it yeah. because somebody else has told you that. And it's the same when someone gets angry at you, or blows up, or says, or does something shitty to you. Like you're only in charge of the way that you react to things. Mm. And that's so the more stable you am.
0: are in yourself, the more sure you are. But that yeah. takes time. I don't think people know that when they're young. I think you have no. to go through a few failures and a few hardships to work out what the fuck matters to actually work out who you are as a person.
2: Yeah, and I think you'll find that when people are are movable on a position, so say for my wife, I'm lucky I've got an incredible wife who is continually mentally jousting with me on things, like Mm. just sharpening my my stance on things. So I might start a, a conversation, a robust conversation going, this is how I feel about this. And by the end of it, I could have completely gone full 180 or gone 90 or I'm movable in my position because I don't know everything.
0: No, When you talk
2: to somebody that does know something about it, then you're the idiot if you're not absorbing that information or going, man, I never really thought about it that way. You know, like I just, it never occurred to me to think about it. Well,
0: again, there will be a great place if everyone could say I don't know everything and I could be wrong and I am open to actually moving my thoughts on this. Like yeah, that, but, and if we saw um, our similarities instead of our differences, <laughs> there we go.
2: And if and if everybody t- took DMT, that's bloody good <laughs> times and a great way of stripping yourself back. Wait, and what's DMT? Th- is I'd
0: that like that the my, um
2: the spirit molecule?
0: Is that like a hallucinogenic?
2: Oh yeah, it's um it's basically Legal? dimethyl dimethyl tryptamine. Not in New Zealand, no. Oh. Uh, but it's it's a phenomenal a phenomenal. Oh. I, Dave, it's my crutch word at the moment. I need to stop saying it. (laughs) It is a great way of stripping yourself back. So you're not the car you drive, the job you have, the partner you have, the money you earn, all of these things. It literally is like getting fired into a kaleidoscope and being led around and seeing if you're great or not so So great. So you
0: call it a spiritual experience?
2: 100% is a spiritual experience. (laughs) You're fucking (laughs) spiritual. you got me. (laughs) Do it! It's... (laughs) <laughs> but it's but you would claim it to be a spiritual experience yeah. because that's how it's the opposite of what most people do. But yeah. say the Inca would do that and they wouldn't call it a spiritual experience, so just call it living.
0: No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Down um, to but yeah it's, again. it's
2: definitely um that. But I mean, like you said, it's experience is one of those things. Wisdom is one of those things that you can't get in a book or 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 pick up straight away. Like we mm. work with a couple of incredible twenty-three year old individuals that have very strong stances on things and you can say to them and with all due respect, and it took a while for them to understand this, you know, fucking nothing. <laughs> uh, and I mean that, yeah.
1: I mean that with
2: all due respect yeah. because yeah. it's not your job to know everything. No. And, what it, and if you did know everything at 23, what have you got to live for? Right? Like, how bought that is straight missionary for the rest of your life. You know,
0: <laughs> I think about how much my, my views and opinions have changed in five years, 10 years. Like we're always changing.
2: Yeah. Um, The PJ that turned up at ZM (laughs) is an incredible chapter and a mind blowing book. (laughs) And you should be able to differentiate between them. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people don't have the next chapter. They've Mm. got, they've got their childhood. They've got secondary school and they've got university. Maybe. A career which lasts thirty years, uh, and that includes kids and a job and a relationship, Mm. and then they've got old age. Mm -hmm. And I want to have—I know the attention span for me is very short. I want to have a lot of short chapters, yeah, nice and punchy, just uh, things that—and—and the book is for me, and it's not for anybody else. I'm writing it for me.
0: Yes, and what? Okay, what would you say success means to you?
2: Success to me is my kids smiling. Because I wasn't supposed to have kids. Really? Seeing smiling. Yeah. My swimmers are that shit that they would they would go nowhere. And so when I wake up and I always wanted twins, I always talk about how lucky I am. And this yeah. is just a pure example of how lucky I am. So my wife has alopecia, so she has absolutely no hair whatsoever. Yeah. Her immune system fights her hair follicles from growing. No eyelashes, no eyebrows, no nothing, like literally nothing. And so she went in to get tested to see if this would be genetic and passed on to her children. And at the same time, they're like, why don't you know, why don't you just get a sperm test, Jay? And I was like, well, well you know, this this big Q yeah, is nothing. Yeah, it's bloody yeah. good yeah. breeding material. Yeah. Uh, turns out just shit. And so they wow. picked a shit sperm out of a shit bunch and injected it into one egg which then split when it was inside Anna and became identical twins. Ah. And I always wanted twins. And they said, there is zero chance ah. of you getting twins. Well, not zero. It's one in four. And 000.
0: how old were you at this point? 30. Wow. Mm. Wow.
2: Yeah. Success to me is, is being the man that I that I want myself to be. And yeah, getting up every morning and seeing my kids smile is a, is a reminder why I need to do that.
0: Did you find they kicked so much motivation into you once they came into the world in terms of, you know, your business aspirations and, and all that kind of jazz? Or did that was that sort of a a byproduct?
2: Well, they kicked the life out of us because they didn't sleep uh, oh. for the first nine months of their life. They just screamed, had colic and reflux. Oh and, my god. And uh ruined us. Oh, <laughs> and then financially, right. financially, uh they buckled us. Yeah. Uh, but they're just the best. It's um it does give you it does give you a bit more zest. You do want to be better, but it's kind of better by example. So that's why I'm doing this fight. That's why I'm trying new things. I want my kids to be brave. I want my kids to be smart. I want them to care about the environment. I want to pass them a legacy. I want them, yeah. I don't want my kids to go, Mum and Dad own pals.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I mean, great. that's pretty cool though. Especially when they that turn cool. 18. That'd be cool.
2: Yeah, but instead of it's kind of the way that you phrase it, instead of my parents own pals, my parents took a punt and partnered with some friends and had a dream that they could do something different. Yeah. That and the byproduct of that was PALs. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it's a way that people it's even when people leave, when people finish up playing sports, there's an incredible book called Atomic Habits, which is just I would couldn't recommend high enough to read. And it talks about when if you're a professional sports player and your brothers would have experienced this. And you experience this, I guarantee it. When you are PJ from ZM or your Jason PJ, your phone rings off the hook. When you're not there anymore, how fucking often is that phone ringing? Mm. Now I can tell you because I've been there and it's mm. fuck all. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you think, Who that... am I? Yeah. And 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 then you forgot that the reason why you were there is because you're vivacious and you're funny and you're quick and you're witty and you're likable and you're all of those things. You're there because of those reasons. You're not there because Your PJ from Jason PJ.
0: Yes. And
2: people, once again, you become the myth, which is PJ, the radio person, and that becomes a legend, which is unattainable, and then you find the downfall because all of a sudden people don't ring you when you're no longer that person, and then you learn from that.
0: Did you have that same kind of experience coming off ZM? Because I think it was around that time, eh?
2: Yeah, 1 million percent. Well, it was different because – different because I'm I rolled into that role in Hodaki and had the agency that I was a part of so I still had
0: some relevance
2: you know like a certain amount of relevance in community and in and around those spaces but when we moved to the mount man it was like my phone like I'd take 40 phone calls a day and then my phone wouldn't ring for days and I was like this is strange and this yeah. is I'm not used to this yeah. and then from that I was like well Every single phone call I get will start with, and these are these are these are people that I respect. It would start with, "Hey man, how are you going? How's the fam? This, that, and the other thing." And there's two and a half minutes of just of just shit banter, mm. uh, and then it would get to, "Well, you're calling me for something," and then it's like, "Hey, we're doing this thing. Can you post about it? Can you turn up? Can you MC it? Can you provide us with this for it?" And there's a transaction, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Cool." So now I know who's calling for the transaction, yes. and I'm like hey, uh, what have we got here? What do you need from me? Because I'm under the pump. And I would, if I'm doing two and a half minutes of shit chat 30, 40 times a day, yeah, that's two hours up. of my life of shit <laughs> chat that I fucking never get back.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean, you like to cut
2: to straight run. to it. Yeah, and cutting straight to it is not is not a problem because mm. I'm really sharp with it when I'm requesting something of somebody as well. If mm. I'm calling somebody to catch up, I'm like, I know when I'm calling them. It's like seven thirty at night, yeah. and it's after hours. And I'll pre it up and be like, "Hey, man, we haven't chatted in ages. Let's jump on a call tonight at seven And then you do it that way. When it's off the cuff and it's two o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> yeah. it's like you need hey, just a quick me. one. No shit. I yeah. know.
0: I, I do. actually, there is nothing more infuriating than that small talk to sort of glide you in, and yeah. you know it's not sincere. <laughs>
2: No, Well I mean it is sincere because once again we're trying to connect before. Yeah, <laughs> it's I foreplay know. before banging. Yeah, out, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But just give it to me, man. What do you want? Yeah, yeah. Um, talk to me. Uh What else? Oh, I, I wanted to talk to you about your involvement with Movember because that's been yes. obviously a massive, you know, brand or um, uh, blah, 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 blah. it is a brand day. Eh? Like or, oh. Yeah.
2: Well, it's a relationship that I have with a, an incredible organization.
0: Organization. There we go. That's the yes. word. Um, so, yeah, you're obviously quite emotionally connected with that. Um, was mm. there a reason behind that? Was there a story which kind of prompted oh. you to get involved or did you just love their mission?
2: Uh, I lost a friend. I lost a female friend who suicide when I was about 16. And we spoke on the phone that Sunday. And she took her life on, or chose not to live on Monday, wow. uh, and that rattled me, and rattled a large number of my friends at the time. We just couldn't believe it, and that, mm. and was that was that was sort of the first instance I had to think about, holy shit! Can people not like? I'm always I'm perpetually happy, like yeah. I'm lucky, yeah. Like I don't I've got mental health. One of those things that goes up and down, and it's sort of forever changing. But for me, it's um it's always been really good. Yeah. And so that was the first indication where something could be not good. And if you were to be not good, then how can we change that? And so when I was in what would be seventh form, which they'd now call year 13. Yeah, uh, and, name, yeah. and at that stage, I was doing second year. six. Yeah, skeleton. Form. Um, <laughs> uh, Dinosaur. I, yeah, I, I, I tried to encourage the prefix of Totonga Boys College uh, successfully to see if we could. Grow moustaches and support Movember, which was an Australian charity at the time. And then fast forward down the track, one of my best mates and you now business partner, Roundy, he's run, pardon me, Movember in New Zealand since its inception. Wow. And uh, and and we're just trying to trying to do things differently. And you kind of feel like you're not changing the outcome because the numbers don't reflect it. But I think that. From what I've seen, and because I'm a little bit closer to it than most people, the conversation is changing and we are being better about it. Instead of instead of drowning or finding to finding solutions in the bottoms of bottles or hiding away from these situations that we get ourselves into, we're a bit more forthcoming with them. And we had these conversations. Next week, I'm flying to Australia with uh, two of my mates to do a thing that we've set up as an annual trip called Attitude and Altitude. So oh we turn up and we... <laughs> Uh, we're going surfing in Melbourne at the Wave Park in Melbourne. Yeah, and we're yeah, going yeah. To, we're going to go hiking in the Blue Mountains and then catch a game with the Warriors and Manly on Sunday. And the whole thing's no piss, just fitness, make the skin leak every day, breathe up every morning, saunas, ice baths, yeah, but... and just do something other than going away and bending.
0: Yes, yes, because that is the default here in New Zealand. I mean, probably everywhere, for guys to deal with, their problems. I mean, yeah. I, it goes both ways. I know, but I think particularly more men uh, yeah. are susceptible to turning to the bottle because it's just, you know, it's like well, a you, coping mechanism. This,
2: it is a coping, and it's a and it's a, because it does nothing. It just literally puts another layer on top of it, and then. You wake up dusty and then Still you shit. probably get home late yeah. and you have a bit of a dust up with your missus and the number of people that I speak to. And we did Morgan Penn, your very good friend, Morgan Penn. Yeah. We're a very open and honest podcast about our relationship, my wife and I. Yeah. And it's literally as simple as the, the communication in particular and the number of guys that talk to me and go, oh, you, what's your sex life like? And I'm like, my sex life is phenomenal. It's <laughs> There's the buzzword again. Yeah, it is. If you play a drinking game with that, everyone will be peeled. Um, I said that it's just it's just the best that it's ever been. And the reason is, is because it's not about getting home after steaming piss with the boys until 10, mm. 11, midnight, one o'clock in the morning and going in and waking her up and going, oh, fucking hell's about it. Uh, it's, it's you know, like setting the scene early in the day or th- earlier in the week and, yes. and leading up to and having respect for their time and what it is that they're doing. And if your wife or partner has been at home Or worked all day or whatever it is and is under the pump the last thing they want particularly when when women have children because their kids are just stuck
1: to them the last
2: thing they want to be done is touched because i've just been had someone hanging off their boob all day and this you know like they just guys don't get it Mm. Uh, and so explaining these things make a massive difference because the easiest way of saying it the less your partner has on their plate the more space there is for your meat is kind of like a really blue oh way my of saying it.
0: God. <laughs> I miss your Jaism so yeah. much.
2: <laughs> but it makes sense. And I yeah, think yeah, yeah. we're very good at pointing out problems. Like you know, suicide numbers are terrible in Pacific Island and Māori and and, uh, and and across the board. We lose a good Kiwi man every single day to suicide. And mental health is, you know, we need to raise funds and we need, need to raise awareness. Mm. We do need to do these things. But I think you'd be really hard pressed. If you walked up to anybody in New Zealand and were like, hey, did you know that we've got a problem with, um, you know, mental health in New Zealand as a, as a whole? Mm. I don't think you'd find anyone go, what,
0: really? Yeah, it's
2: the first I've heard of it. Mm. Like I think everyone's acutely aware of the problem, Mm. but nobody's offering a solution. Mm. And so what is it? Instead of going, hey, man, I'm shaking the bucket and trying to raise some funds or I'm, you know, like it's great that people do all these adventure challenges and I'm going to go and peel spuds for 16 days in a row for men's mental health. Great. But you know what's even better is instead of doing that for 16 hours, why don't for the next 16 days, call your friends each night, a different night, a different friend and have a deep and honest conversation with them and open and honest conversation with them that lasts more than just, how was your day? Because it takes about three days to get to that level of conversation when you're mm. hanging out with your mates. And you, can, you can't you can do it on the piss properly. Um, so go away and do something where you're actually getting a sweat on and getting some level of achievement. And that's hence the attitude and altitude, which we came up with when we we're on a bender.
0: <laughs> go figure. How would you... Um, suggest ways of encouraging your partner to, like, if, if you know if people are listening and they've got blokes in their life or whatever, and they that is still their coping mechanism, going to drink, and you just know that there are better ways, whether it is Wim Hof or or sauntering or all those kind of things that don't take a toll on your body the next day. How do you suggest um, introducing them into their lives when it's something quite foreign?
2: I think that there's a there's a big change coming through. Uh, a lot of a lot of males' lives and they kind of get to the age like me and go, geez, I'm not actually bulletproof and I've just hammered piss for the last 30 years and it's probably not putting me in that great a stead.
1: Mm. So
2: I think it's always, you need somebody to lead it. But as a fella, you kind of have a pack mentality. It's not hard. Like I could literally, whatever tonight is, Thursday night, I could within five minutes find somebody that wants to get absolutely buckled and go yeah. on a three-day bender. Like yeah. I have those friends. And it's great. Trust me. I love a bender as much as the next person. But if I did it every single weekend, which everybody does, then it loses its, loses its sort of, I mean, if it's meant to be a special occasion, it definitely loses, it loses the, I guess, the specialness. If you had champagne for breakfast every morning, you would lose it. And that's why I think if you could suggest other ways of uh, kind of getting together with lads, and that's, it could just be that. It could be a fishing trip. It could be a hike. It could be hunting's a good one uh, because you get out there and you yes. actually have something to you have something to show for it. But even something as simple as having a routine that is
0: something other
2: than hammering piss. At what so age did you a-
0: start reassessing your weekends? Because I mean, it's so common. It's it's embedded in our culture. It's a hard habit to break until it's too late. Yeah, and it's part of my job.
2: My job is a social job. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and in New Zealand, if you don't have uh, like a tin in hand, like yes. people are like, Well, what's going on here? Richie mccaw has got a great, a great way of dealing with this, uh, which puts him in the in the absolute shooting box for it. He's got a two bear limit. And you got two bears, that's boring as shit. So the rationale and behind it, and this is what I found fascinating, is you turn up with six bears, so you're contributing. Mm-hmm. And you pull one out and you crack a beer and you cheers your mates and say, hey, mate, it's good to see you. And you have a conversation, leaning around a beer. And then the second beer, once you've had the first beer, you go, hey, I'm getting a beer. Does anybody want a beer?
0: Oh.
2: And then you turn up and you give everybody a beer. And so then there's kind of the gratitude of being in that friendship group and there's a servitude to that. And then you have the beer and then you finish up. And someone goes, hey, do you want do you want me to get your beer? And you go, "No nah, mate, I'm driving. And I've got the missus and kids here and I'm driving tonight. And then no mate is going to say, go and hammer some more piss and drive your missus and your kid home drunk. Yes. And so he's been social. He hasn't pushed it too far. As a result of that, he can leave at whatever time, whether it be 1 o'clock in the morning yeah, yeah, yeah. or or at 8 in, in the evening, and, it's, and it still serves the same purpose. But it yes. changes and makes it more acceptable because – Which is so messed up you,
0: though, right, that you it even is. have to come up with a freaking – technique to fit in with your own mates but it's just as i said so deeply embedded
2: yeah well people were people assumed that we called pals pals um because if you didn't have any mates you can always drink with pals (laughs) and it was and it was terrifying the conversation and the reason why it's called pals is because two drinks and five people is the perfect number of people to catch up in a social setting like it is a perfect dynamic because you don't pair off because yeah. you always need to have that other person included. And so that is why that's called powers. They're not your friends, no drink, no bottle, no can, no anything that has alcohol in it will ever be your friend. It is a small social lubricant to get you talking to talk the real people in your life.
0: Shit. That's interesting that you had to combat that theory.
2: Did yeah. That- well, it's not even something that we publicized. It's just no. something that we heard.
0: Yeah. Do you, which is- shocking do you feel like a sense of responsibility being involved in an alcoholic brand i guess you you shouldn't have to but i mean i suppose there are things you have to do to ensure that you do that yeah
2: it definitely does is there's uh brand role modeling that we do and it's about uh that's probably the reason why we've got such a massive audience so we've got people that uh, new to drinking that are having experiencing uh, powers for the first time at 18. Mm-hmm. And then we've got people in their seventies that <laughs> yeah. enjoy powers, and we've yeah. got everything in between. We're not targeting anybody specifically because people of all ages that are legal enough to drink, enjoy a conversation. And yeah. they, and that can be had in and around of pals. And that's why we did the zero alcohol powers as well. So that you can sit there. Oi, the they are my can.
0: favorite non-alcoholic drink pregnant, no shit. Like everything else makes me feel like balls. Like you you have a non-alcoholic wine or beer, I feel like shit after one. But I just kept honing those non-alcoholic pals at a wedding and I swear I started feeling drunk. Maybe I actually <laughs> place- had a 5%. I don't know. But
2: Yeah, the placebo effect <laughs> was, being, was strong. I've had people message me showing me a chilli bin full of non-alcoholic pals on a fishing trip and yeah. going, I bought these at the supermarket thinking they were full noise. What am I going to fucking do with a hundred cans of zero alcohol valves?
0: No, they're so good. It, yeah. Honestly, it's the placebo effect hard. Um. Oh, Jay, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It's hey, been anytime. an absolute pleasure. There's actually probably still a more I want to talk to you about, but I think we'll leave it actually because I feel like we've, We've had some um, highs. We've had some more emotional bits, and this is a really shit wrap up on my behalf. So,
2: <laughs> you know what we can do? As yeah. we can say, that is the that draws to a close. Um, episode one of our catch. Yes, and we'll do another episode one. two. Can be in the future at a time to be determined.
0: And maybe it'll be some form of a collaboration with Hargrave Studios.
2: Yes. Well, hey, we Hargrave would love- Street. We would love to, well, mate, Hargrave Studios, it is. It's on Hargrave Street. That's how we came up with the name. Really creative. I got a cat when I was younger. It was called Big Kitty, and I had my dog. It was called Puppy. I'm surprised (laughs) my kids aren't called the Ding and Dong or One and Two. Yes, you're always welcome. And like I said, to reiterate, I'm incredibly proud of you. I always have been, and I just think you're just a magical human, and we're very, very lucky to have you in our world.
0: Jay, no, I meant to do a wrap-up with fond words about you. I'm going to say you're like an unofficial brother in the mediascape who's always been so kind, and um, and fuck, you should have finished it. Go back (laughs) to you. (laughs) Thanks, Jay. (laughs) Well, there was. There was. There was a man. His name was Jay. That was episode eight. Uh, with Jay Reeve. I hope you enjoyed that chat. As you can tell, um, as the chat progressed, it definitely got a little bit deeper. And I, I love that side of Jay. I really do enjoy him as a human being. I hope you did too. Uh, you can catch more of him online. I think he's at the Jay Reeve on Instagram if you want to give them a little follow. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe to the PreJ podcast if you haven't done so already. Leave a review. And I'll see you next week for episode nine.
1: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.